Welcome back, listeners. My name is Jackson Vickery, and I am the host and producer of the JV Club podcast. On this episode, I spoke to Oscar-nominated production designer Susie Davies about her work on Saltburn. Hi, Susie. Hi, Jackson. Hello, Jackson. Nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Loving living the dream here, here in LA. I know. LA. How nice. <laughs> I know. Um, but I just have to start out with um, how much I love this film. It was an absolute riot <laughs> from beginning to end. Um, and I'm just curious what, I mean, you're making of, I mean, the initial reactions of, of the film so far. Um, what, what of people's reactions to the film is, is fantastic. Is I'm, I'm loving it. You know, it's got a buzz about it. It's, um, I think whenever you come out of a film and go, what did we just witness? <laughs> is much nicer than coming out and going, where should we go and eat? You know, so that's got a nice, it's got a nice vibe about it. Yeah. Mm. And so where did you first um, cross paths with uh, director um, Fennell? Um, well, bizarrely, when I, although, I mean, I knew she was going to make this film and I'd spoke to my agent and said, I need to get in the room for this one. I mean, I loved Promising Young Woman. thought it was amazing. And I thought I've got to make, I mean, this, I'd need to do this sort of thing. And I was very lucky that I, that I got the gig, but actually I'd worked with her years ago when she was an actress and I was an art director on a TV um, thing. So we, our paths had sort of crossed, but not in any um, sort of work relationship way. But um, yeah, I mean, reading that script for the first time for my, in, for my interview that I did with her was, you know, just, I was, I needed to make this movie. And uh, I felt a little bit like Oliver, I desired to make the movie and we, luckily had the same sort of lookbook she'd you know Maud had put together some great images and mine I'd use some of the similar ones and we just seemed to hit the same sort of uh, level of um, beauty and ugliness and um, sort of um, uh, gorgeous historical art and contemporary sort of not very good art you know there was a real the real mixture of the juxtaposition of contemporary elements of a lived-in environment and gorgeous historical art was was our way we weaved through the film of, of Saltburn. Yeah and it's I mean it's a good commentary on high highbrow culture and lowbrow culture um I think and yeah I, I don't know it, it just it's so fitting um but I am I am curious what else you sort of took away from I mean from reading that that first that first script from her? Um, what was great was it's, I've done a lot of period films and this, although it's set in the 2006, it could be any era, but also this sort of um, uh, unusual authentic voice that Emerald has. And I wanted to try and find how that can be represented visually. What were the, what was, how could I twist my, 
experience of making a period drama into this contemporary period drama, if that makes sense. What, what, how can we twist it? And it was with colour. It was working with Linus, the DOP, um, you know, completely made my sets look delicious. And a DOP and designer um, relationship, we can make or break each other. And, and, and I think we, we both enhanced each other's work. I mean, Linus definitely enhanced what, what we put in front of him. The fact that we were filming in film, which is just luscious, and again, gives that sort of oiliness um, and texture to the film. Um, the frame that we were filming in, is, again, looks like a portrait shape you know, to see our characters in it. So being able to mimic almost even Caravaggio paintings all the way through to the pre-Raphaelites and contemporary art right next to a box of Pringles, you know, yeah. it, it just was was really, um, it was really fascinating building that world and finding those little juxtapositions along the way. Mm. Yeah, no, it, I mean, there's so much sort of, beautiful choreography that's done with um the the cinematography um mm. and production design and i i'm curious um what that is i mean the last scene in particular i mean there's it's literally choreography so i'm i'm very yeah. curious yeah you approached um i mean so much movement um in in this film i think it's about giving the environment scale, you know, it needs to, it, it, it's the scale, but actually probably the more important thing on this film is the detail, it's the small detail. So it's like the stones that get thrown in that we see at the end. It's like that box, the Prero box with our little characters dancing. It's the fact that they don't, the, the mechanism is off. So they're slightly unhinged, so it's slightly mad. Um, those sort of, the little details all the way through, the fact that we bookend the film in a way because we see Felix introducing um, Oliver to the house that direction you know they come in from outside and go through and then um, Oliver retreats through the, the the different way I mean interestingly I didn't I wasn't there on set when we filmed that and a lot of the crew were off set because it obviously it's a closed set that final sequence so when I saw the film I, I'd never you know it was, wasn't in the rushes I didn't see it so it was a bit of a Wow, that's a, that is how you end a film. Yeah, it was really exciting to watch the film. Obviously, as a designer, I, my work is done on the last day of shoot on the whole occasion. I'll be asked for an opinion about CG or VFX or whatever. So I hadn't revisited this process of this story for six months until I saw it a couple of months ago. Um, so it was nice to have the distance and to be Fair enough, I knew what was coming, but I didn't as well. You know, by the time it's edited, the sounder on it, the soundtrack and everything, it, it, I was able to watch it a bit like a, an audience member and it was amazing. And that final scene was, yeah, blew me away. The whole film was just so fun to watch. Mm. You just get thrown around in it. And we wanted to enable that, you know, Emil's script, because she wrote it and she directed it, it means you know exactly what you're going to get. You, the answer is there if I need to go, how does um, Elspeth's bedroom, what's, what, what colour carpet do you think she would have or where are we going with, because our red, the colour red was a bit of a theme through the film, so we knew we wanted to up it by the end for various reasons, don't want to spoil it, but um, all those elements to have the immediate, immediacy of the 
of those detailed answers from Emerald on set is fantastic and really, really useful. And it just speeds up the process. I think it enables me to be a little bit more um, flamboyant with her intentions. Mm. And like you said, you've done a lot of period work in your past. And I'm I'm curious how um, just how the process of starting this was different than um, than some of your past work. Um, uh, I guess it, it was it was different in that when I read the script, I thought this one particular house where we film it in, I, we've got to find that it's a location somewhere. I filmed in all the stately homes probably in the UK, and I I didn't think that I'd seen it yet. None of those fitted, and we can't and I say they've been filmed a lot, so it, this felt it like it needed to be fresh, and we hadn't seen it on Downton Abbey or Bridgerton. You know, it was a, a fresh sort of um, look. And we, I thought we'd be wrecking for, for weeks. And actually we found it on day one. We went to look at one location. It was fine. Went to look at this second location. And yeah, I had my, my own Oliver moment as we drove up to the house in the environment and just went, wow. And Emerald as well. We just knew all bets are off. We'd found the house. And then it was great because we were able to manipulate um, the script to suit the house. The, ha the house brought certain idiosyncrasies to it, which is always fun working on location um, because you get a realism that as much as I would love to have built that on a backlot at Pinewoods, there's something about those real quirks that add and inform the design in a, in a different direction that perhaps you haven't thought of. So, you know, the square pond and where we'd put the pontoon and how many water lilies we'd had and what colour the inflator would be is a is a gift you know we just I think thought we'd, we'd have a swimming pool but the fact that there was a square pond enabled us just to um, enhance that environment for our characters so perfectly of course you'd go swimming in the square pond with an inflatable watermelon by side stupid of course you would. <laughs> <laughs> I love that um <laughs> And I mean, talk to me about the maze and constructing that, or um, if it was already there, um, what what was that like? Because once again, it's it's so integral to, I mean, the element yeah. of itself. And I, I'm just curious, it just, I don't know, there's something about a, a maze that I don't yeah. know, it's always fascinating. Well, it's quite, yeah, and it, it's quite symbolic, isn't it? Because it's all about the layers of, where is this story taking us? You know, we, I think you're given a few dead ends and you twist and turn through the story. So when I read that, I was like, okay, this is tough because there's not many mazes, you know, in the, in the, the and there wasn't a maze at this country house that we filmed in. There was, um, so I, it became quite obvious that I was gonna have to build a maze somehow. And that's when it comes into smoke and mirrors and filmmaking is so great because it was a collaboration between an element of real hedging that was in the in the real location, but it wasn't a maze. It was just a straight run of hedging. Then I built the centerpiece there so that it looked like we were, because weirdly when you're in the maze, you can't see the rest of it. And then yeah. we had CG do the top shot. Um, we had a, an amazing world-renowned maze designer, international maze designer who knew there was one based in the UK who designs every maze that you've ever seen in computer games in stately homes in exhibitions so he 
designed the maze. So it's, you know, the actual route is real. Um, and we, our sort of ethos was that it was um, impo impossible to, um, to get, impossible to be found and um, difficult to navigate. So that you could see, you could feel that people were having fun watching people from the house run around that maze and get lost. And the backstory was that a you know previous lover of a previous lord of the family had put in the cheats route, so they quickly get in there. And that we'd made this grotto, um, and it was about then using contemporary art. There's a great artist called Nicola Hicks who does these amazing minotaur figures, and she very graciously allowed us to use the inspiration to make our Minotaur family, of which we expanded, made bigger, put in weird shapes. So there's this weird sort of um, sinister feel there. I think had we not had the Minotaurs there, of which are very symbolic and classical in a maze, often it's a Minotaur at the middle, but our family of Minotaurs being that sinister takes the edge of the romanticism of it. And again, that's about the writing of this script was all about smashing up romanticism with sinister with joyful happiness with deceitful danger and it's just like the mashup of those environments and the and the storytelling within them was was great and yeah the, the maze was just a perfect um symbiosis of all the elements of filmmaking every department sort of came together um and the the edited end version i think is great that most people think it's a real maze and it's yep. not. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. Um, yeah. But no, that there's I, plastic. I, there's bits of plastic leaves there. There's pots of of um, maize that we we bought. Pots of beach hedging that's like about eight foot high that we were maneuvering around to 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 make the runs of the corridor when they go in to to run around. Yeah, it was really good fun. Mm. And I'm curious, what was an unexpected challenge with this project um, that, I mean, that that you didn't anticipate at the beginning? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, the unexpected challenge, I mean, I'd like to say I, I was sort of ready for the unexpected, but it's about prepping so that you're ready for it. But it's thing, like the, the food and the smell and the taste were, were as important as the design. Emerald and I spoke about, obviously, the visual aspect aesthetic of the film but when we spoke about it we spoke about the the food so we really went into the design of the food there's a lot of eating and that's another sort of um um sort of storytelling beat that this family is so rich you want to eat them and we see that in many many ways and so we spoke about you know how burnt should the shepherd's pie be how how handsome should the octopus be you know it's all those sort of elements uh, which was unexpected, but really great. And I, you know, I'll take it on to the next film. You learn something on every movie, and it's about that those the research we did in in um, on all those sort of detailed bits really paid off. I think. Hmm. And this might be a strange question, but I mean, do you see yourself in any of the characters? That's what, well. Weirdly, I like I said earlier when we first turned up at Saltburn. At, the, the location I did have an Oliver moment like I've never seen such a large stately home and I've been to a lot of stately homes you know we get to do that we're very lucky in the jobs we do we get to go to these places but this was other so I think I felt a little bit of an Oliver moment I, I mean I'm not I don't think I went as crazy as Oliver um, <laughs> but there's a, the, the otherness perhaps 
um, of Oliver is something that I resonated with, you know, the sort of slightly separate um, feeling that he that that we wanted to give him that he portrays. Yeah, mm. sounds weird saying I'm a bit like Barry, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I hey, it's fine. I think everyone wants to be yeah. like a little bit. So I I yeah I, yeah. Um, yeah. And then final question for you. I mean, like you said, I mean, you sort of take away things from each project that you go um, go from. And I'm just curious in particular with this one, um, maybe it wasn't something as um, tangible or um, a, a new scale, but I, I'm just curious, what, what do you ultimately take away from, from the film? Um, I think that good work can come from uh, a good environment on set. I think we've all worked on projects that perhaps are very stressful, you know, with, with time, money, continuum is always, you know, always pushing to that. And sometimes you feel separate from the end product, you know, that we're just facilitating a schedule or facilitating the day. And it's lovely to know that on this project, I think if you were to speak to any crew member, we were all in it to get what Emerald wanted. She created such a great environment on set that it felt very collaborative. You know, a, um, a, an assistant, a, a runner could speak to, to speak to her or suggest and I, you know, she was very open. She had a very clear intention, but it just felt like everyone was on a journey to make this film special. It felt special when we were making it. I think it's ended up as special. And um, it's good to know that you can do it with a bit of humour and fun and excitement and satisfaction, ultimately. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I will never, I, I will truly never forget this film. Um, it, it, yeah. it will be. <laughs> um, and truly final question for you. If you could describe this film in three words of your choosing, what would they be? Oh my God, okay. Um, Tasty, um, intense, intense, and um, powerful. Mm. That would do. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> uh, but Susie, I want to thank you so much um, for chatting with me today, and um, just meeting you is an absolute dream and pleasure. So I just nice I one. Thank you. Thank you, Jackson, and lovely to meet you too. Thank you for tuning into this episode. This podcast was hosted and produced by yours truly, Jackson Vickery, but a very special thank you to Sterling Gavinsky for the theme music and to Carly Haney for the artwork. We will see you next time.